Welcome back, Conscious listeners. So grateful to have you here today. Thank you so much for showing up in the place that you are today. Today, we're diving into identity development, which has a lot to do with figuring out our place in the world, figuring out where we belong, and figuring out how we can connect and deepen our connections in those places that we feel safe enough to be involved in, right? When we ask ourselves questions like, who am I? Okay, but who am I really? That's definitely something in our development that we grow into in like the self-efficacy stage of acceptance and problem solving and self-coping and even just, you know, having a sense of self and self-concept right? It's where we get to decide, can I have all feelings in balance? So whether it's through social comparison or self-esteem or fear of judgment in an emotional challenge or in an emotional stage of that question, who am I? We get to kind of encompass all feelings at the expense of the discomfort and the growing pains. So I think about the movie Alice in Wonderland. It's one of my favorite films because it challenges identity and definitely displays Alice's journey and process of transformation throughout her own development. And developmental stages are most important to understand when we're learning to speak a child's language. Because if their language is play, then their development is a tool that we get to use to understand them better based on where they fall in either chronological age and or developmental age. And as soon as we understand development, we get to help our children feel like integral members of the family where they belong, right? And to help them feel included and to help them feel valued and fit for being in the center, in their center, right? So. In terms of physical development, before a child is born, right, physically, the challenge is, do I exist? And emotionally, the challenge is, do I survive, right? Do I have everything that I need to make it? And then we have the Swiss cheese model of development, which refers to the fact that we could be at a chronological age, but because developmental stages emotionally can be more abstract, the reason it's called the Swiss cheese model is that you can always regress and you can always revert back to old patterning or back to old ways if you're in a moment of distress or in a triggering moment that perhaps reminds you of a situation of your past. So just because I'm a certain age does not keep me from falling back into a different developmental stage, right? It's kind of like when, you know, the first born child is having a new sibling, right? That first born child developmentally will regress because if they have to share their resources with the new baby, then they want to, to like, 
play that role and be in that role as well if that's what's receiving love and attention and affection and connection, right? And then we get to about, you know, zero to 18 months and our development that we grow into is the trust versus mistrust, right? And the physical challenge becomes, is the world okay, right? Is the world that I'm living in trustworthy? Can I exist in this world? in a way that feels safe, right? Because in this stage from zero to 18 months, our physical survival depends on hope and trust and faith, right? We're hoping that our needs get met in order for us to survive. And emotionally, right, we feel scared. So the question is, what can I handle? right? I'm learning all these new things in the world. I'm getting my foundation. I'm starting to, you know, create these neural pathways and learning through repetition time after time after time, right? Like everything is firing and it's such a delicate time to either trust or mistrust the world around me. And then into the next stage of, you know, year and a half to three years old, the stage becomes autonomy versus shame, right? Like, like I want to do it by myself. Watch me, look at me, you know? Um, and physically the challenge says, am I okay? Right? Like my awareness, my independence, my confidence, even my possessiveness starts to show up. Like, this is mine. This belongs to me, right? Like having ownership over maybe things to display that autonomy, right? Or I also think about this is, you know, between a year and a half and three years old, this can be where kids start to potty train. So that's where like the shame comes in of like, of yeah, learning how to let go, right? Learning how to developmentally release in a different way. And of course, the emotional challenge in this stage says, I feel sad. And I can develop strategies to feel, you know, whatever, instead of feeling sad. And then into three to six years old, there's the initiative versus guilt. So physically, the challenge says, how much can I do, right? They want to do tasks, maybe like without any assistance, and to display their ability. So emotionally, can I fail and be okay? Will I face perfectionism? Um, like feeling scared to feel sad is the emotional challenge here. And then into seven to 11 years old, it's industry versus inferiority. How well can I do it? And emotionally, the challenge is, I feel sad of feeling scared, right? Like there could be this hopeless or defeatedness, right? Like, can I even do this? And then back to usually, you know, the stage of 11 and beyond where it says, who am I, right? Who am I really? And again, can I have all the feelings in balance, can I embrace socially and emotionally who I am, right, through all of these stages that say, 
you know, is the world okay? Am I okay? How much can I do? How well can I do it? Okay, who am I even, right? Knowing that we can jump in and out of these different stages and that they're not totally concrete kind of provides some relief, you know? And when you think about family systems, each family member subconsciously thinks of themselves as either fitting in or standing out, right? Because if I want to know, you know, if I can trust the world and if I'm okay and what I can do and how I can exist and how well I am within that, in my world, I want to know where I feel safe enough to fit in. So for example, I was a family member that challenged the beliefs of the family that I grew up in and perhaps the rules that have been generated and followed in the past. And I remember my dad telling me one day, you know, I knew when you went to school that there were these things that you were interested in. I just didn't realize, you know, that this was the extent of what you wanted to do and where you wanted to take your studies and this and that. And knowing me, he knew I wanted to impact the most and reach the furthest of places, right? Like, but it was hard for him to really see my vision until he experienced that secondhand of seeing, you know, I want to work with people who have been places and have been in these low points in their lives. And I want to work with humans. And that's something I'm totally, you know, valuing. Like I totally value the human experience, right? And as kids, right, feeling too different to fit in, but still wanting to connect and receive love and acceptance as you are, is a stressful place to feel split. It can feel scary to feel different and can even lead to maladaptive coping coping strategies. How can we embrace our children through the differences that they have without expecting them to change, but rather support them unconditionally despite the choices that they make, despite the values that they hold, and despite who they are in their integrity and who they are as a soul. You know, if I don't feel valued in the aspects of my life that I am contributing to, then I'm not going to show up in those ways feeling empowered. I'm definitely going to feel certain things. I might feel resentful or I might feel, you know, angry, or I might feel like I'm not doing enough to be seen or heard or understood or met, right? Like I just want people to see me in the ways that I can then be appreciated for who I am. So you may be wondering, you know, why some children grow up and make what we might consider to be like you know, good, valuable choices that maybe align with, you know, personal values that we have and have a high level of overall well-being, right? Where maybe another sibling, even from the same family, can grow up to make what we might consider, you know, a poor choice or poor choices. And that could be choices that do not align with our personal value. And perhaps that reject our value system and have maybe a lower sense of well-being, you know, since we don't believe in what they're doing and fail to support them in ways that they deeply need, 
it can be that split of, okay, this kid aligns with parental values, so they're going to live up to those. And if someone else does not align with parental values, then they internalize those and don't really have any support to lean on when they may need the support the most, right? But what we need to understand, you know, early on in human history, if you had a position in the group that was, you know, threatening to your survival, right? If you were, let's say, a high-ranking member of a tribe or of a neighboring group, right? The tribe was more likely to come to your defense during a fight to make sure that you and your family were fed and to make sure that you and your family didn't get left behind. So they essentially were on your team to keep you going and lifting you up and showing you all of the unconditional support as you displayed your commitment to the tribe, right? And I have to wonder if this goes back to our attachment over authenticity. It makes me wonder about the ancestors that survived, you know, were they in their integrity or did they value the tribe for survival? It's such a wonder to me. And the opposite's true, right, for lower ranking members of a tribe, right? If you're not invested in the tribe, you might not get fed and food might be in short supply and you might be least likely to receive assistance in conflict and maybe less likely to survive in a difficult environment, right? You can see why it's motivating to fit in and motivating to have community and to have neighbors in your tribe that you can count on right? If survival literally depends on it, then you can see why strength in numbers is such a thing. But honestly, where's the balance? We weren't meant to do it all alone. We were designed to be vulnerable in front of those who care most about us in order for them to see us and support us in our achievements and in our emotions and in our overall success, right? Striving now for attachment and authenticity and vulnerability is going to definitely be the big ticket item where we get to show up fully for who we are and we get to be accepted for who we are fully because we have so many different avenues now to choose from where people accept us and love us and cherish us and treasure us for who we truly are, right? But in the stone age, People who did not obsess about their role or position in the group would die off, right? They would not pass their genes on. So this is why we subconsciously obsess about either our status to the groups that provide us with safety, because we care deeply about our ranking, our social status, and our positioning in the groups, right? Those are the genes that were passed on to us, and we are still hardwired to subconsciously obsess about our importance of how we fit in to receive the love and connection. If we're constantly gauging our group value and acceptance because we wanna understand where we fall in these groups, then we have to be evaluating and assessing and monitoring where we are in our inner circles. Are we on the inner circle? Are we a bystander? Is our status rising or falling, right? And if we feel that we're not centered in a group, then we often reject the group morals and try to find a group with different morals that totally fits what we're looking for. 
And with children, you know, those who feel emotionally connected to their parents get to feel like they are validated with their needs being met. And to have this as a blessing to fit in at home, right, is a beautiful occurrence. There's nothing better than feeling safe, loved, and accepted for who you truly are at home, right? There's so much to be grateful for in this. And if you feel like you fit into your family system, this means that you have this much more value and so much more depth to grow and connect. It's rare for anyone to feel highly valued in all environments of their world because some environments might bring out more discomfort than others and you may only feel somewhat valued in one group to the next, depending on you know, the people and the vibe and all kinds of things. And when I think about kids, you know, they might go from home to school to social groups or extracurricular activities. And just so you know, it's very normal to have one of these many circles or a few of these circles where if you're not feeling highly valued, that that is okay and it's to be expected. But if in that same family, another child's told that they're loved, but let's say, you know, they're not really shown that they're appreciated in the same aspects, right? If they start to suspect that their parents would love them more if they were like their sibling, then it can feel super disappointing. Because what if the sibling has more outward emotions? What if they have more sensitivities? And what if they sense that they don't receive that same acknowledgement for their being, right? If this was me, I might wonder if I'm flawed as a person and I would feel sad and I might even feel, you know, a certain way with family members where I feel misunderstood, which might make it worse because it furthers the disconnect and the strain in the relationship, reminding me that even further how my values could not be more different, right? And if this happens, then this misunderstood part of myself is going to show up more in other groups because I want others to understand me in ways that my family can't, right? I might frequently be on edge. I might be nervous about not being valued because this is what I picked up and internalized from my family system. And so I want to be valued in my key groups. And if I can't find a place where I am, then, you know, I will connect with others who feel like they're not highly valued in their groups. And this also explains why subconsciously we want to spend our money and we want to, you know, show that we're like, you know, leaning in to fitting in, right? Like look at where we spend our mind or sorry, look at where we spend our time and look at where we spend our money. And that will show us where we're trying to fit in because subconsciously we want to preserve our place in the inner circle. And if someone points out our flaws, well, then we subconsciously believe that we don't belong you know, from what they're implying, which is an enormous amount of time and energy spending to try to feel centered. It can be a lot of work to try to like target all of that mental capacity to fitting in, right? It can be anxiety provoking. It can 
bring on social anxiety, right? And for children, the group that means more than probably any of our social groups combined is family. And I think about for kids who are at risk or, you know, youth that are finding their identity, like we know from teenage years, right? That industry versus inferiority, that self-efficacy and acceptance. We know that the challenging physical developmental stages say, how well can I do it and who am I? And those are some pretty big developmental stages to move through. And as parents, we think that we treat all of our children the same, yet research shows it's just not true, right? We definitely gravitate toward those who share our value. And I just wanna to mention too, sometimes showing up as an adult to our children, right? Our children may display that they can handle things or that they're on top of it, right? But what we know about development is that we still need to be nurtured and we still need to be you know, present with our kids because they need us. They definitely need us to lean up, right? And without help, we might have one child feeling like fitting in is more natural, yet they may embark on more social emotional challenges. And we may have another child who might struggle to find their center, yet they may feel like they're too sensitive or that they have too many feelings, even if that's what's appropriate as a response to what's occurring, right? And you wanna know a secret? Your children were born through you to teach you all of the things that will help you become a more sustainable, versatile version of yourself. You are a human, right? And they're here for a very specific reason to help you balance your perceptions. This is why it will be likely that your child will have a completely different value set than you. This is gonna be triggering and remember, they are here to show you a whole different way. They're here to teach you something different and lucky for them, their brains are malleable, but more challenging for you, your brain is fully developed and set in its ways and you will certainly have to work harder to change your mind and your children will be working with development, right? They will be working through the physical and emotional challenges that development brings. So for them, they have these physical and emotional challenges. And for you, you're rewiring the brain, right? And you will certainly have to work harder to change your mind. And your children will have to be working toward their emotional and social and physical developmental challenges. They present challenge in different ways. And both trying to find where you fit in this world, where you fit in in this world and in your family and in your center, right? So to be a badass parent, you need to accept that all parents will make mistakes 70% of the time. Now, I know we have been trained and conditioned in this society to think that succeeding only 30% of the time is a failure. And we've even reinforced this belief through test scores and education systems. And you can see how changing our belief is tricky. And you can see how, you know, you might fall into the setup of feeling like a failure 
or feeling not good enough when you only see that showing up 30% of the time is adequate. And I'm here to help you balance that perception because mistakes will be made. The question is, are you willing to lean into the discomfort of the mistakes that you make? Because mistakes are necessary for learning and growing. And just so you know, development happens at every life stage. You will not turn a certain age where you suddenly graduate out of development because here's the thing, as human beings, we're growing and evolving and changing. And we're always gonna be up-leveling to the next level of consciousness. That's just how it goes. We're gonna be learning, we're gonna be growing, we're gonna be finding experiences that show us who we really are and shake us to our core. And we're gonna meet human beings in these social circles that are going to wake us up to who we are in the depths of our soul, right? We certainly cannot do this alone. There's enough that we can do on our own to learn about ourselves, but the truth is in relationship and the growth is in the dynamic between adult and child, right? Bridging that gap of development, bridging that understanding through development is the key, right? So if I can look at these physical and emotional challenges that are occurring during very crucial developmental stages and developmental parts of growing and parts of life, then I can understand why fitting in is so important. Then I can understand finding that love and acceptance, why that's so important, right? If fitting in and receiving that love and connection is more important than being authentic, well, of course I'm gonna meet that need. Of course I'm gonna validate that need, but it's so important to understand where we're coming from in the stage we're in, right? Again, physically you could present with a different challenge, but it might not always line up with emotional age. Your chronological age could say that you're six years old, but emotionally you may be still working through the challenges of a three-year-old, right? And there's no judgment to that. That just might mean that's where you are in today's present moment. And in tomorrow's present moment, you may show up totally different depending on what's presenting in your world. So it's nothing to stay strict about, but it's more so dynamic and fluid and you get to flow through it because the more you learn about development, the more you get to understand that development gets to be the tool and development gets to be the resource for understanding human behavior even more clearly. So as you tune in to how you identify and to how you are developing and to how your development relates to relationship, I want you to challenge yourself. I want you to say, who am I? Okay, but who am I really? Because again, developmental stages are the most important thing to understanding, you know, the language of emotion and to understand how we can better relate. So I wish you a lovely day and I will see you soon.
take good care.